Good God Almighty. He promised. He promised. Much of our life in Christ is based on promises. It's based on promises. And that's why you ought to be careful what you promise, folks. Because if you're the example of Christ that they see and you break promises to them all the time, then they don't understand how Christ is going to hold his word either. There's a song we say, he promised, he promised never to leave me alone. Never to leave me alone. No. Never alone. Yeah. But he promised he'd take care of me. Oh, what a reassurance. That is, that he'll take care of me. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how big and masculine you are. Every now and then, you need somebody to come along and rock you. Just rock you in their arms. and Let you know everything's going to be all right. There's some things that this world can snatch away from you that you don't feel like you can move on. Somebody needs to be able to come and assure you that it's going to be all right. And can I tell you, the best assurance comes from someone who doesn't have skin on. When you get that feeling, that overwhelming feeling from the Lord that it's going to be okay. If you don't know that feeling, you need to pray mightily that the Lord will give you that feeling that it's going to be okay. It'll come over you like a flood. And you'll get up and you'll know it's going to be all right. No matter what the circumstances are, everybody else around you can be upset and crying. And you'll get up and you'll know it's going to be all right. Why? Because he promised. he take care of me. And I believe it. I believe it. Some folks say something and you'll believe it when they come out, when they come out their mouth. They look like they lie. And then what's sad is some people believe their own lies. But he's not a man that he should lie. And when he says it, it's so. It's done. And he promised he'd take care. Take care of me. Take care of me. I used to think that was my mom and daddy's job. Mom and daddy gone to glory. And the wolves still at me. Need somebody to take care of me. When I was in school, that was a subject that always gave me trouble. Math. I'm saddened today at this age, that I let it get the better of me the way it did. Made me shy away from things that might have been beneficial to me, all because I was intimidated by math. Made me select a certain career path. <laughs> yeah. Avoided math classes at all costs. But there was one part of math I understood pretty good. 
the concept of lesser than and greater than. Somebody need to hear me today. I understood that pretty good. Yeah, I didn't need to be, you know, rocket scientist to understand that something is less than I want and something is greater than I want. That's what I want to talk to you about today, greater than. Greater than. Greater than, yeah. I believe you understand it. Genesis, there's a story, chapter 50, that I believe you might be familiar with. It's really a capstone to a story that's been going on since chapter 37. I want to talk to you a little bit today about people. Particularly, I want to talk to you about a person. Some of you know him in Bible as a dreamer. Ain't nothing wrong with dreaming. Nothing wrong with dreaming. Don't, don't crush folks' dreams. Just because you don't understand it. Don't crush dreams. There are songs that were birthed in folks' dreams. There are inventions that were birthed in folks' dreams. There are relationships that were birthed in folks' dreams. And when they come to you and they share something with you that you don't understand, support them. Just because God hadn't, left, hadn't led you to that place yet doesn't mean it can't be so. Can you imagine how they laughed at the person who invented the first computer? They laughed at him. Ain't nobody laughing now. Nobody's laughing now. There are some people who are better in life. Y'all don't want to hear this today. Because folk didn't believe them. They're better because they faced resistance. Because folk fought them. Told them they wouldn't be anything. Couldn't do anything. That's what we're talking about today. Can I read this for you? Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 through 21, suffered to be. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was, was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father, underline your, your father gave this command before he died. He said, say to Joseph, please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. I hope you recognize in scripture when folk lie. Because this is a lie. The scripture right here. All right, I'm going to tell you why it's a lie in a minute, but you've got to be able to have discernment to understand when folk are gaming you and why they're doing it. But Joseph's response to what they said was, Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. Underline that. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you know this scripture. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Greater than is what I want to talk about. Greater than. 
Now, it's hard to talk about the life of Joseph and put it into the context of the time frame that I have this morning. It's hard because he went through so much. Really, we're talking about going in Genesis. I don't know how familiar you are in the Bible. I don't know if this is your first time here. If you go in Genesis from chapter 37 to right now, I just read to you chapter 50. That talks to you all about Joseph's activities. Joseph went through a whole lot. But the story starts in verse 37, I mean, chapter 37, with Joseph simply having a dream. He just had a dream. But he messed around and told his dream to the wrong folk. Be careful. Be careful. And I can't say watch out for your friends, because this was his family that he came and told his dream to. So you got to learn how to have a discerning spirit. His, his brothers responded to him telling the story by taking Joseph and selling him into slavery. That was a response, wasn't it? In other words, based on what you're telling me, we got to get rid of you. And they sold him into slavery. And then they went and they told their daddy that he had been killed by wild beasts and was dead. One of the things that set him off was the fact that Joseph, who was the daddy's favorite, had been given a very nice jacket. You know this story. Coat of many colors. They even took that coat of many colors and they spread blood on it from an animal to support the story that Joseph had been killed by wild animals. Jacob, their father, was devastated. But he believed his sons. I mean, why would they lie about that? Why would they lie that their brother, their youngest brother, had died after they sold him into slavery? Joseph's life got even more interesting. He was sold to a slave owner named Potiphar. Potiphar was rich, but he took a liking to Joseph, put him in his house and quickly realized that because of Joseph's character, he was a decent young man. And so he took Joseph and he put him over his whole household. Look at this now. God's got favor on you. If you just keep on showing your character, your character will keep on taking you places that you couldn't get into by yourself. How do you come out of slavery, end up in somebody's house, and before you know it, you're the chief butler of the man's house? He got you running his whole household. Not only is he running his whole household, apparently Joseph was a good-looking young man because Mrs. Potiphar didn't have nothing to do after the stores went off every day. <laughs> so she decided she was going to get up and run after Joseph. And because he had character... He refused to disrespect Mr. Potiphar. And because he refused to disrespect Mr. Potiphar, Mrs. Potiphar took that as an affront, and she lied on him. And what she wanted him to do that he wouldn't do, she lied and said he did do. Because Mr. Potiphar wanted peace at home. He had to have Joseph arrested and put in jail. Character comes through, though. So he goes to jail and his character shows through. 
He could have gone to jail, so my brother sold me into slavery. I ended up in somebody's house as a slave, but I even got blessed in that household. Now I'm in jail. He could have said, Lord, what have I done to deserve all this? I'm just going through it. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. You feel like you've been beat up by your family all your life. Feel like you're not where you're supposed to be because of circumstances that are beyond you. Like Joseph, Joseph finds himself in jail, but guess what? When you're a good person, you're just a good person. Okay. It doesn't matter if you're in prison. It doesn't matter where you are. Goodness shows through. You can be going through circumstances, but the goodness in you comes out, and that's what happened in jail. Instead of being there pouting and upset, he befriended folk in there. And because he befriended, befriended folks, guess what? He found out that there were some palace officials in the jail who had been put in there because they had upset the king. They found out just from sitting around talking to Joseph that Joseph had the ability to interpret dreams. He couldn't just, he didn't just have dreams. He could tell you what your dreams meant. And they found out while they were in jail that what he predicted would come true. And so when they got out of jail, the palace officials went back and told the Pharaoh, who had been having some wild dreams, that there's this dude in jail who can interpret what you're saying. Look at this now. Look how God will bless you. And so Pharaoh had Joseph brought to him, and he told him what his dreams were. And he told him about the circumstances that were troubling him, and Joseph interpreted his dreams. And Joseph basically said, your dreams simply mean this, Pharaoh, that you're going to have seven years where everything is going to be abundant. And then you're going to have seven years where you're not going to have the resources you need to run the kingdom. And so my suggestion to you, Pharaoh, is that you put somebody in charge of your household, or in charge of your country, who can manage while you got a lot so that you can have something when you don't have any. Watch God. And Pharaoh said, that's exactly what I'll do. And because you're the only one that understands this, you're the man. How do you go from being thrown in the pit by your brothers to being put in the palace by Pharaoh. All of that transpires from 37 to chapter 50, and here we are in chapter 50, and the story is about to come to a conclusion, Cass, because all the evil that was done by the brothers is now about to come out because they didn't prepare like everybody else. And so when famine hits the land, as Joseph predicts that it will, Guess who runs out of resources? His brothers. And the Lord can set you up for a real blessing. And so they got to go to Egypt to look for grain. And their father sends all the brothers to Egypt, except for the youngest son. And they don't realize when they get to Egypt that the person they're having to deal with is their brother. He's the number two person in all of Egypt. Second only to Pharaoh. But look at this. The reason why they don't know it is because they can see you when they see you, but they can't see you in your glory. They can't see you in your glory. And so they come and they're talking to him. They're interacting with him, and they don't realize that this is the one they sold into slavery. Why? Because he's got God's glory all over him. You go into a place and people act like when, when the Lord has blessed you and folk act like they don't know you, it's because they don't. 
They don't know you. When you got your glory on, they don't know you. They know you when you were pitiful. But they don't know you when you're prosperous. They can't see through the glory that God has put all over you. And so he's standing there. And finally, he lets the cat out of the bag who he is. Make a long story short. He brings them to a place and tells them, I'm going to bless you. I'm not mad at you. Tells them, I'm not mad at you. He had a right to be mad. Not only that, I'm going to give you some of the best land in the country, the land of Goshen. And he put them there into chapter 50. Dad is there now, Jacob, the one who thought that Joseph was dead. And Joseph has to now deal with the fact that his daddy has died. That's the scripture. Daddy is dead. Daddy has died. You know Jacob. Jacob in the Bible, Jacob and Isaac. This is Jacob. His sons ultimately end up being the 12 tribes. Greater than. See, we don't understand when things are going on, what God has in place. And so from chapter 37 to chapter 50, walk with me on this, God is setting up Joseph for a blessing. But not only is he setting up Joseph for a blessing, he's setting up the Israelites for a blessing. It's bigger than you. He's setting up the people of Israel for a blessing, but he does that through a person named Joseph. But there's one little personal obstacle that Joseph has got to deal with. And that is that Joseph has to deal with the reckoning with his brother. I found this to be the case. It doesn't matter where you go in life and how God blesses you, you still got to deal with them same old local issues you have. You can be the biggest dude in the country and you still mad at your daddy because he didn't raise you. You can have more money, more resources, you can be a good father, all those things, and you still dealing with your daddy issues. Why? Because you got to resolve those personal problems before you can move ahead. And this is a personal problem that he's got to get out of his spirit. But can I tell you something? God's issues are greater than your issues. God's situation is bigger than your situation, and he's not going to let your circumstances get in the way of his plan. Not of his plan. And so Jacob has died, and the brothers say to Joseph, Jacob told us something before he died. He said that you got to forgive the brothers for what they did to you. And the reason I pointed out in Scripture that that's a lie, because Jacob had the stature of a man that if he thought there was something that needed to be said to Joseph, he wouldn't have sent the boys to do it. He would have told them himself before he died. So the truth of the matter is, Jacob never realized the circumstances under which they had tricked him. Because if he had, he would have begged forgiveness himself, but he went to the grave not correcting or interceding for his son. But the reason the brothers come to him is because they are guilty. Anybody know how a guilty conscience works? Some of us know it intimately because we know we wrong people. And no matter how we wrong people, when you see them, they might say, I'm sorry. In the back of your mind, you can't help but get that. It's, it's going to come up. 
that you know you've done wrong to that person. And it doesn't matter how good Joseph has been to his brothers while daddy was alive. Now that dad is dead, they think all the stops are over. Now he's going to come and do to us what he wanted to do all along, but he couldn't do because daddy was still alive. And that's why I came to tell you, you don't have to try to get revenge on folk yourself. No, 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 no. No, 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 because God's plan for you is greater than their plan for you. You don't have to try to do it. Look at this. When they confronted Joseph with what they said, Daddy said, look at what happened to him. The Bible says in verse 17, Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. I particularly wanted to point this out because Joseph was a crier. He was. He was a crier. Yeah, yeah, I tell y'all all the time that you don't know that people in Scripture are just people. They have personalities. They go through things. And I came to tell you that Joseph, through all his circumstances, has identified that when he's emotional, he's a crier. And it's okay to be a crier. Yeah, it's okay to be a crier. If that's just what your personality is, that's what it is. But I can give you about six Scriptures where Joseph cried. Every time something happened, he was a crier. And in this instance, when his brothers confronted him, he wept. Can I tell you this? The first thing I want you to know is that God is greater than what you've been through. God is greater than what you've been through. Been betrayed by his family, sold into slavery, in prison, accused of rape falsely by a good employer. That was a good employee. That dude paid on time every time. He was a good employer. He didn't pay. He was a slave. Yeah. Close to death. Had a rough time. And still his character shines through. He's number two in the kingdom now. And yet the question is, what are you going to do about your brother's issue? Brothers come to him after daddy died. They're afraid now. They don't know what he's going to do. And when they say daddy said, leave us alone, he cries. He doesn't lash out. He's number two in the kingdom. He could tell the soldiers, take them all away. Get rid of every one of them. And no one would question him. Why? Because he's number two in the kingdom. He had everything at his disposal. The only person he had to respond to was Pharaoh himself. And Pharaoh wasn't going to care about no Jews. He could have gotten rid of every one of them. And nobody would have blinked an eye. They come to him, right this, expecting retribution, but instead they get absolution. They come to him saying, I'm sorry, and he comes to them saying, I'm sorry. He comes to him to them in tears. He wept. He wept. Chapter 50, he wept. Chapter 42, he wept. 43, 45, 46, he weeps all the time. He just crying. <laughs> crying all over his blessings. But can I tell you something? If you've been through what he's been through, you'll cry too. Y'all want to laugh at Joseph. If life brought to you what he got, at least all he's doing is crying. He ain't hurting nobody. He's just crying. Stop telling boys it's wrong to cry. One of the greatest dreamers in the Bible was a crybaby. 
All he did was cry, but he loved the Lord. He loved the Lord. There's nothing unmasculine about crying. The Bible says Jesus wept. Joseph has forgiven his brothers. Not only has he forgiven them, he's assured them of his goodwill. Not only is he going to provide for them, he's going to provide for their whole household. Watch this now. Look at this. When he weeps, his brothers bow down to him. Y'all don't hear me. If you don't know the Bible, if you don't know this story, I told you this started in verse, in chapter 37. And it started with a dream. The dream that Joseph had was that one day his parents and his brothers would bow down to him. And that he would be in charge of them. So hear me again, now hear me, and somebody ought to say hallelujah. Because prophecy just came through. And he wasn't even expecting it when he told them that he was going to take care of them and they apologized to him. He wept and they bowed and prophecy came true. What he dreamed about came true all these many years before. What he said was going to happen, Deacon Miles, actually happened. His brothers bowed down to him. In other words, they were trying to acknowledge that they were lesser than and he was greater than. And he said, I'm not greater than you. God is greater than all of us. I came to tell you, you're not doing it for yourself. God is greater than all of us. You're not my servant. You're his servant. When they realize that their actions that had put them on this dangerous course, they didn't realize that the actions that they committed that day when they threw him in that pit were actually the catalyst that set him into motion and being great. Y'all don't hear me on this now. Some of us are praying against our own interests. Some of us are praying against our own interests. We keep asking God to remove this person or this situation because in your mind, they're preventing you from being what you can be. But according to the lesson that I'm teaching you right now from Joseph, you need to stop praying that God will move them because they are not preventing you, they're preparing you. They're not preventing you. They're getting you ready to be what you are supposed to be. If you don't have them in your life, you never learn how to dig deep. You never learn how to go the extra mile. It's the tough football coach when you're, when you're a little leaguer who teaches you how to stay after practice. Put in a few more reps. Those few more reps get you noticed by the high school coaches. And you work afterward, the high school coaches notice you, and it's the college coach who comes late one day, who don't see nobody on the field working late but you. And it's because you're working late because that elementary school teacher taught you how to work late. You were mad at him because he made you run extra laps. But it was setting you up for the blessing you get down the road. You need to understand that you keep praying that God will move somebody who's setting you up for a blessing. Setting you up for a blessing in your life. Not preventing you, he's preparing. Somebody ought to say God is greater. 
Nobody can prevent you from being what God wants you to be. Nobody can prevent that. Nobody on earth can stop you from being in the place that he wants you to be and doing what he wants you to do. Look at this. Any parent knows this. Any parent who's ever had to deal with a child and give them medicine knows the environment surrounding that. There are a few of them take it easily. Especially the old medicine we used to have. It tastes a little bit better now. But that old medicine we used to have to give them three sixes and any of that stuff. You felt like you were getting punished to take the medicine. Watch me now. Watch me. Watch me. Greater than I've been through. Watch me. You got to make the child take the medicine because if they don't go through the medicine, they can't get better. No matter how it hurts you in your life, you got to take the medicine. Now, apply that to your life. God had to allow Joseph to go through what he went through because if he didn't allow him to go through that, he couldn't set him up as number two in the kingdom and prepare his people for their eventual destiny. God is preparing you, and sometimes your life tastes like medicine. You got to take it, and you got to swallow it. But God is greater. On the other side of that swallow is a blessing. And you can realize just a little while later, when you see your child, who was laying around lethargic, couldn't get up and move, yes. wouldn't move around, but just a little while later, you see them doing better. And you realize the benefit of making them go through, taking the medicine. And that's what happened with Joseph. God is greater than I've been through, and he's greater than I know, too. Because Joseph thought he knew exactly what was going to happen with his life. That's what got him in trouble. He started running around spewing everything that was going to happen, telling everybody about it, but he was young and immature. Some of us have been in the same situation. We think we know it all. And can I tell you this? You don't know what God is going to do for you. You might know he's going to bless you, but you don't know how that blessing is going to come. You don't know it all. He can't tell you all of it. Imagine that he tells you everything that's going to happen when you're young. Imagine how big your head is going to be when he tells you what a blessing you're going to be and everybody's going to come to you and bow down to you. You won't be able to get your head in any door anywhere. You won't. You'll be swollen with pride. You won't get the benefit of the blessing that comes with working through it. But once you've been through the pit, once you've been sold into slavery, yeah, once you've been accused and lied on and talked about, once you've been through all the stuff that you have to go through to get to that place that God wants you to be, then you understand how God brought you to that point. You can appreciate that God is bigger than anything I've been through, and I'm so thankful that God knows more than I know. 
He knows more than I know. And he's greater than I know about myself. Not only that, I want to tell you this, and I'm out of your way. Not only does, is he greater than I know, he's greater than I can imagine. What little boy sits down and tells his family, I'm going to be the leader of the free world? What little boy tells him, God told me I'm going to be the president of the United States? But that's what God intended for Barack Hussein Obama from the moment he was conceived. Not in idyllic circumstances. Not with all the resources that you need in order to become president. Not with all the connections you need to become the president of the United States. And yet that's what God intended for him. And so for y'all sitting around now, running around telling all your children, you're going to be just like Barack. No, they're going to be just like themselves. They're going to be what God intends for them to be because God intended for Barack to be the president. Now, he may indeed intend for somebody else to be, but he can't tell you that when you're five. you got to go through something to get to something like that. And they don't want to hear all that they got to go through in order to get to that. And you as a parent can't bear it all. He can do more than you can imagine. Look at this. The last scripture says this, verse 20b. He said, to bring to pass as it is this day to save many people. We thought this story was all about Joseph. It wasn't. And that's what happens when God tells you that you're going to be a blessing. You mistakenly think it's all about you. It's not about you. The story all along was about God's people because God intended to bring himself a people. He just used Joseph as an instrument. Can I tell you, it wasn't ever about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. It was always about God's people. It wasn't ever about Barack. They're all just instruments. Yeah, but you don't want to look at yourself as an instrument. You want to look at yourself as the one that's essential. Can I tell you right now? God is going to take you and use you like a scalpel. But it's going to be to help his people. He's going to take you and use you like a screwdriver but it's going to be to help his people. The question is, are you willing to be used as a tool in God's toolbox so that his people can be better than they are right now? I came to tell you right now, he can do more with you than you can imagine if you make yourself available. God had to use Joseph to save not only his own family, but to save all the people in the country so that eventually they could walk out of Egypt and go to the promised land. This was a setup for a blessing. God's plan is so much bigger than anything you can imagine. He doesn't just have your welfare in mind, all right? Not just letting Joseph out of prison for prison's sake, I mean for letting him out's sake. Not just making him second in charge of all of Egypt. But he ultimately had a plan for letting the people leave Egypt. He needs them to be ready. And the only way they can be ready is if Joseph is in that position to make sure they're fed and healthy and able to leave when they're supposed to leave. So look at this now. Your circumstances might seem crazy to you. But if God has set you up and is blessing you, 
He's preparing you for the eventual blessing that's going to be to the people you're serving. So stop looking at your job as just a drudgery and look at it from the perspective of how God is blessing people from the work you're doing right now. Because it's bigger than you. Because God is greater than you. He's greater than any circumstance you find yourself in right now. He's greater than any obstacle you find right now, and he's greater than any doubts you might have right now. He's greater than every single thing that we have going on in our lives. There's just one thing, one thing that's preventing you from experiencing the kind of relationship that's greater in 2020 than you had in 2019. There's just one thing, one thing that's stopping you. You got to have faith. And the one thing Joseph never lost, he never lost faith. He never lost his love of God and his faith in him. So my question to you is, do you have faith? Do you have faith? Do you believe in the resurrection? Can I tell you something? Write this down, please. The resurrection is the New Year's day of your soul. The resurrection, when you receive your salvation, that's New Year's Day for your soul. Do you believe? Because all things become as new. When you're born again, that's like a new year starting all over for you. But you got to receive him. You got to receive him yourself. Somebody once observed that a wasted life is really nothing more than a collection of wasted days. And so as God gives us life, each one of us starts a new year. Everybody got the same opportunities. Each one of us that was blessed to wake up a few days ago on January 1st, each one of us had the potential for 365 days. Every one of us. The question is, what are you going to do with your 365 days? Now, let me put this in perspective for you, because some of us had the same amount of time last year. What did you do with the 365 you had last year? Did you help somebody? Did you spend most of the time worrying about yourself only? Did you spend any of that time doing more for other folk than you did for yourself? What did you do with the 365 you had last year? And have you just pressed repeat on your life to start this year doing the same exact thing all over again. Can I tell you, if you want to experience greater, you got to do more. And the question for you, what are you willing to do to have that kind of relationship? Every day is a gift. Have you accepted it? Have you used it? The difference between those who succeed and those who don't succeed is primarily the, about the effort that they put into it, the choices they make. I came to tell you today, look, God is perfect for taking bad circumstances and making them into great circumstances. He's the only one I know that can take an awful symbol and turn it into a wonderful Wonderful symbol of life. Look at this. The devil, the enemy, thought that he had the ultimate plan when he took Jesus and put him up on that rugged cross. 
He thought he had him. He thought that they would leave him there and let everybody see how awful death, death is. But he didn't know that God was greater than him. Well, he knew it. He didn't realize that God's plan was greater than his plan. He thought death was going to have the final say. But God has the final say. And instead of that old rugged tree being a symbol of death, God turned that old rugged cross into a symbol of hope. And now instead of looking at a cross and thinking death, any one of us now looks at it and all we think about is Jesus and resurrection. That's how God can do your life. He can take your worst yesterday and make it a blessing for a blessed tomorrow. And so my question to you today is, do you believe in that? If you believe in it, then today is the day for you to start making a change, for you to start looking at life differently, for you to receive the blessings that God has for you. His plan is greater for you than yours for yourself. But you got to give him your faith. And while the leaders come right now, the doors of our church are wide open. Let today be the first day in a new relationship between you and the Lord. The doors of our church are wide open. Whosoever will, let them come right now.